Hey everyone, Pacific here with a new episode of Insidious Inspirations and a reminder. If you like the show and you like what we do, leave a review. Reviews are one of the best ways to get our shows into the ears of new listeners, and it's a great way for us to know what you want to hear next. We will be taking a break at the end of October. Uh, We have a few more episodes before that happens, but then we'll be off for most of November and December before we come back with season two. And when we do, we want to come back with something cool. So if you have ideas for new stories, if you want us to talk more about cryptids and urban legends, let us know. But for now, without further ado, this week's episode... A businessman wakes up in a hotel bathtub, submerged in ice, his kidney gone. A babysitter is menaced by a mysterious stranger. A girl recites a dead woman's name into a dark mirror, waiting to see if a ghost will reach through the glass to scratch out her eyes. Most of us have heard a variation, or a hundred variations, on these stories. They're urban legends, contemporary folklore spread by word of mouth, email forwards, and the whispered insistence that it happened to a friend of mine. In 1998, Jamie Blanks and Sylvia Horda released Urban Legend, a slasher film determined to explore the urban legend in all of its creepy glory. The film features a college campus terrorized by a serial killer whose crimes are inspired by classic urban legends, bringing them to life and turning the legend into a reality. The film was met with mixed reviews, but became enough of a success among its found audience to spawn two sequels, Urban Legends Final Cut and Urban Legends Bloody Mary. But where did the legends come from? Was there any truth behind them? Did something strange and horrible really happen to a friend's, cousin's roommate one time in a faraway town? Today we're taking a look at the curious phenomenon of the American urban legend. Not quite fact, not quite fiction, but something murky, frightening, and endlessly captivating. The tales told around a campfire that never burns out. I'm Nicole Goodnight, and this is Insidious Inspirations. The nature of urban legends makes it impossible to trace the exact origin of each story, but there have been several real-life cases that likely added fuel to the fire, if not igniting the original spark itself. A young woman was babysitting for some family friends for the very first time. She was a little bit nervous, all alone in their house, but it was an easy enough job. The kids were already asleep when she got there for the night. All she had to do was sit on the couch, make sure everyone stayed safe, and wait for the parents to get home. Suddenly, the phone rang. Was it the parents calling to let her know when they'd be back? She picked up and heard heavy breathing on the other end of the line. Hello? she asked. No one answered. The phone rang again. The girl picked up and again she said, Hello? This time, a low voice answered. Have you checked the children? Who is this? The girl asked, but the line went dead. The minutes ticked by, tense and quiet. The shrill ring of the phone cut through the silence and the girl jumped at the sound. She answered again. Hello? Again, the voice asked the same question. Have you checked the children? Her stomach dropped, her heart pounded, her knees buckled. She knew something was very wrong. She could feel it in her bones. The children were in danger. She was in danger. But what could be waiting for her upstairs? What if she couldn't face it by herself? 
she decided to call the police instead, reporting the strange harassment she had been receiving. The officer heard the tremor in her voice and agreed to trace the call for her. The girl waited in silence, afraid to move so much as a muscle. She stared at the door, looking for shadows out the window, waiting for someone to jiggle the doorknob. Finally, the phone rang again. Hello? She swallowed the lump in her throat, afraid she would hear that awful question again. Instead, it was the officer's voice. You need to get out of the house now. What? The girl asked, color draining from her face. Then the officer said the now infamous words. The call is coming from inside the house. The version may change from telling to telling, but that is essentially how the story of the babysitter and the man upstairs goes. But on one fateful night in Columbia, Missouri, in March of 1950, the events of the story unfolded for real. Janet Christman, an eighth grader, skipped a party with her friends for the opportunity to babysit for a local family's three-year-old boy. He was already asleep when she arrived, and she sat alone in the house, listening to the rain and sleet beating against the roof. No one can be entirely certain what happened next, but by the end of the night, Janet was dead. There is no evidence that anyone called the house while she was there, but she did call the police for help. They were unable to trace the call, and when the parents arrived home at 1.30 a.m., the phone was still off of the hook, and Janet had been killed. Police suspected a man named Robert Mueller, a friend of the family, but they were unable to build a sufficient case against him. The murder was never solved. The film Urban Legend opens with a take on a truly iconic highway horror story, The Killer in the Back Seat. For anyone unfamiliar with the story, this is essentially how it goes. A woman was driving late at night down an isolated road. As she sped through the darkness, she became aware of someone driving behind her, following her every move. The driver would get right up on her bumper, but when she got over into the next lane to let him pass, he wouldn't. All he did was flash his lights at her, as if trying to tell her something. As she drove on, becoming increasingly frightened, he continued to tail her car, coming so close that he almost crossed into her more than once. He followed her all the way home, and she pulled into her driveway. And as she pulled into her driveway, he pulled up just behind her, headlights glaring in her rearview mirror. She opened the door to confront him, running out into the street and yelling, What do you want? She expected the man to attack her, but instead he looked at her with wide, frightened eyes. I've been trying to warn you. Every time I flashed my lights, he'd dip down out of sight, but there's someone in the back seat. The backseat of a car seems like an unlikely place for a killer to hide, but in 1964 in New York City, an escaped murderer did hide in the backseat of a car. However, the would-be killer did not choose his target well, and the car's owner was a detective who shot the man. Though it differs greatly from the widely propagated version of the story, it is possible this real instance planted the seed for later versions of the legend. There are two common urban legends revolving around a woman mistaking one thing for another in the dark both of which appear in the urban legend film franchise. In the first, a college student returns home from a night out to find her dorm room shrouded in darkness. Not wanting to disturb her roommate, who she is certain is already asleep, she tiptoes through the room and keeps the lights off, climbs into bed, and falls asleep. When she wakes up, sunlight streaming through the window, she finds her roommate dead in bed, and the words, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light, written in blood on the wall. In the other story, a young woman is home alone in her apartment with only her dog for company. She feels a bit unsettled all by herself with strange sounds coming from a storm outside. 
Throughout the night, whenever she feels unsettled, she reaches a hand over the side of the bed for the dog to lick. Each time, this reassures her. When morning comes, however, she finds the dog dead, hanging in the shower, with a note that reads, humans can lick too. Before you give yourself nightmares, don't worry. This one doesn't have a real-life counterpart, at least not one that's ever been reported. It does go back a surprisingly long time, though. Specifically, the concept of the licked hand as a cover for a criminal in hiding appeared in a second-hand account in an 1871 diary entry written by Dearman Burchell. After attending a croquet party, he wrote about a story relayed by a guest about a clergyman who was aroused in the middle of the night by his wife who said, John dear, I'm sure there's a robber under the bed. I hear him moving. Do get up and see. John replied, Oh, it's only the Newfoundland dog. I just put my hand out and it licked it. Next morning, all the jewelry and many other effects had disappeared. Of course, the violent murder is missing from the older version of the story, but it still holds the fear at the heart of the legend. There is something chilling about the idea of seeking comfort in a moment of dread, reaching down to a beloved pet, only for that pet to be a stranger in disguise the entire time. Another story that features prominently in urban legend is that of the young couple in love and the man with a hook. One of the earliest published accounts of this legend appeared in a Dear Abby column in 1960. Dear Abby, if you're interested in teenagers, you will print this story. I don't know whether it's true or not, but it doesn't matter because it served its purpose on me. A fellow and his date pulled into their favorite lover's lane to listen to the radio and do a little necking. The music was interrupted by an announcer who said there was an escaped convict in the area who had served time for rape and robbery. He was described as having a hook instead of a right hand. The couple became frightened and drove away. When the boy took the girl home, he went around to open the car door for her. Then he saw. A hook on the door handle. I don't think I will ever park to make out as long as I live. I hope this does the same for other kids. There haven't been any notable accounts of hook-handed vagrants tormenting couples during a backroad dalliance. However, there have been cases of young lovers menaced and killed during a vulnerable moment parked together. For example, there were the notorious Texarkana Moonlight Murders during which a masked killer terrorized victims along Lover's Lane. It could be that the story of the hook-handed killer was inspired by these crimes, changed and twisted over time like a game of morbid telephone. It could also be that, like the Dear Abby letter implied, the story was intended to scare teenagers straight and keep them from making out in their cars late at night. Up next, we dig into more of the most notorious urban legends, including Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary herself. We'll also take a look at what exactly is so compelling about urban legends in the first place, and why we continue to share them no matter how often they are debunked. But first, a word from our sponsors. If you're interested in listening to the show ad-free and getting access to bonus content, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash insidiouspod. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, back to our show. 
Sleepover games often take on a bit of a sinister, supernatural quality. Light as a feather, stiff as a board involves chanting ritualistically, using what appears to be unnatural forces, to lift someone into the air. Ouija boards may be simple board games, but they also allegedly open a gateway to another world, ushering in forces beyond our control or understanding. And then, of course, there is Bloody Mary, a game best played in a dark bathroom, with a lit candle in hand, and images of a blood-streaked woman with long, sharp fingernails in the back of one's mind. Bloody Mary is mentioned throughout the Urban Legend franchise, and with good reason. Bloody Mary is one of the most enduring legends, passed down through the generations with countless variations on its rules, effects, and origins. According to different versions of the story, those who wish to summon Mary should gaze into a mirror in the dark and say her name a number of times. Some say three times, others say thirteen times. Then, if they've followed the instructions correctly, Mary will appear in the reflection. In some versions, she'll tell the summoner a secret or predict their future. In others, she will just scratch their eyes out or drag them into the mirror world, never to be seen again. But who is Bloody Mary? Where did she come from? Some theorize that Bloody Mary's legend came from the historical woman who shared her nickname, Queen Mary I of England. Mary was born in 1516 to Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. Most of her early life was marred by her father's antics, his desperate bid for a male heir, his scandalous choice to divorce her mother and his marriage to Anne Boleyn. Finally, King Henry got what he wanted, a son, Edward VI. After Edward's death, Mary seized the throne. Once in power, she focused her efforts on returning England to the Catholic Church, and in 1555 she revived a law punishing heretics by burning them at the stake. She assumed that after a few executions, the population would be shocked into compliance and caution. But that was not to be. Over the course of three years, Mary commanded nearly 300 Protestants to be burned alive, earning her the infamous nickname Bloody Mary. The shared moniker isn't the only link between Queen Mary I and the legend of Bloody Mary, however. Several versions of the ghost story involve would-be summoners mocking and antagonizing the spirit by saying, I stole your baby. I have your baby or even, I killed your baby. This is thought by some to be a reference to Mary's attempts to bear a child. She announced a pregnancy, but the due date came and went with no baby, and no real explanation for what happened. Mary died at age 42, with no heir, leaving behind only her legacy and the nickname Bloody Mary. Others suggest that the tale of Bloody Mary was born from the life and death of another Mary, Mary Worth. Mary lived in a cabin in the forest, going into town to sell herbal remedies and tinctures. The villagers spread rumors that she was a witch, fearing she might curse them or place a blight on their crops or their livestock. When young girls in the village began to go missing, suspicion turned to Mary. The townspeople swarmed Mary one night, tied her up and burned her alive. With her dying breath, Mary cursed the townspeople, crying that if they dared to say her name into the mirror, she would haunt them. It's worth noting that the story of Mary Worth may itself be a legend a potential precursor to the Bloody Mary ghost story that is every bit as dubious. It could be that Bloody Mary was not derived from the lives of either of these women, but rather was a ghost story based on our inherent fear of mirrors and reflections, the way that images warp in the dark, and an extremely common woman's name. Whatever the case may be, Bloody Mary lives on in the imaginations of anyone who dares to look in a mirror and call her name. Though some urban legends may have some basis in reality, trickling down from person to person over the years like a massive game of storytelling telephone, there are others that can be easily written off as complete fabrications. Pop rocks and soda will not, for instance, make your stomach explode. 
At the absolute worst, consuming them both at the same time might give you a bit of a stomach ache. Another popular horror story that mines its scares from the human body also plays on an extremely common fear. Spiders. In it, a young woman notices a blemish on her cheek. At first, she thinks it's a pimple or even some kind of boil. But as she attempts to pop it, it begins to move. The bump breaks open and baby spiders begin pouring out as she screams in terror and disgust. While there may be some insects out there that will lay their eggs in the human body, don't Google bot flies unless you want to ruin your appetite, arachnid experts insist that spiders would never lay their eggs in or even on a person. So, while it's not the best idea to pick at any blemishes you spot on your face, it's unlikely that your troubled complexion is the result of any creepy crawlies breeding. Sometimes life imitates art, and urban legends that previously had no real-world inspirations wind up coming true. The urban legend franchise makes multiple references to the myth of the traveling organ thieves, carving up businessmen and tourists, then leaving them to wake in an ice bath with no memory of what happened. The National Kidney Foundation debunked the story, but in 2008, three men were lured into a hospital outside of Delhi under the guise of a work opportunity. They were then abducted at gunpoint and woke up with massive abdominal scarring and missing organs. One classic story subverts the trope of the haunted house by describing a family troubled by strange noises and missing objects, only to discover that the culprit is not a spirit, but a flesh-and-blood man living in their walls. In 2009, Joe Cummings of Manhattan, New York, became incredibly concerned when he noticed signs that, in spite of him living alone, someone had been eating his food and urinating in his kitchen sink. He set up a camera to capture whatever may be going on after he went to sleep, and reviewed the footage the next day. His stomach dropped as he watched the video of a woman crawling out of a high cupboard, stepping down onto a table, and landing on the floor. She then proceeded to use the sink, grab some snacks and drinks out of the fridge, watch a bit of television, then return to the cupboard to hide once more. Joe had no idea how she had gotten inside as he lived on the top floor of his building, but according to the police, She'd been staying there for two weeks. Stories playing on the anxieties that come with traveling and sleeping in unfamiliar beds tell of vacationing couples finding dead bodies stashed in their hotel rooms. Unfortunately, this has happened far more frequently than anyone would like. In 2010, guests staying at a budget lodge in Memphis discovered a body beneath their bed, one that had been there for at least three different guest stays. The smell would have been a dead giveaway, but the murderer had filled the ceiling tiles with fabric softener in an attempt to cover the stench. So, true, false, or something in between, why are we so drawn to urban legends? Why do we continue to tell each other stories even in the age of endless information? According to the findings of cultural history researcher Carl Bell, traditional folklore has been updated and repurposed throughout history to help people adjust to surviving in a city. In Victorian London, for example, anxieties about a dwindling sense of community and increased exposure to strangers and crime led to the story of Spring-Heeled Jack, a fire-breathing entity that would terrorize innocents and chase them through the dark city streets. These stories may have frightened people, spreading like wildfire through the tabloids as rumors circulated about the distant acquaintance or second cousin that had encountered the fiend. But they were not creating brand new fears out of thin air. Instead, Spring-Heeled Jack held a mirror to the fears that were already there. Similarly, urban legends can function as a universal warning, just like the hook-handed man terrorizing the young couple served to keep teenagers from going out at night unsupervised. Other legends used heightened, fictionalized scenarios to impart lessons about what is safe and what is dangerous. In 21st century Beijing, a number of stories began circulating about the city's night bus. 
These stories would involve a passenger encountering a malevolent spirit, only for a wise elder to lead them off the bus and out of danger before disappearing. This more contemporary story was born out of the feeling of vulnerability traveling late at night in a city can evoke, as well as the myriad of ways taking on that risk can go wrong. There is also a part of us, a perverse piece of inherent human nature, that loves to be disturbed and to spread disturbing stories from one person to the next. Julie Coltis at the University of Sussex asked subjects to read and share different versions of common legends, some more disgusting than others. The more disgusting versions of the stories were recalled more vividly by the test subjects. Not only can we remember the more upsetting stories better, latching on to the details of words written in blood and eggs hatching from human flesh, but we are more likely to share them with others. Anthropologist Jamie Tarani at the University of Durham conducted a series of lab experiments that similarly compared and contrasted various legends, ranging from the mildly upsetting to the outright lurid. The ones that tapped into social bias, that felt more like a juicy piece of gossip than a simple scary story, were more easily remembered and more excitedly passed along. In the age of the internet, urban legends have not declined in popularity. They are simply shifting and changing, leaving the campfire behind for the glow of the computer screens, swapping tense whispers for creepypastas and reddit posts, for heavily edited YouTube videos about the scariest stories that are definitely, absolutely true. The hook-handed man becomes Slenderman, and Bloody Mary turns into Charlie Charlie. But we're still giving each other the creeps and passing along the weirdest, wildest, most bone-chilling tales we can find. Urban legends aren't going anywhere, because they aren't created by our environment or the relative strangeness of truth and fiction. They come from within us, our impulse to warn, to frighten, to imagine demons in the shadows. The call is coming from inside the house. Tonight's episode was written by Addison Peacock. Our host and narrator was Nicole Goodnight. Our editor and musician was the incredibly talented Danny Sweet. I'm your showrunner, Pacific S. Obadiah, and our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a Bloody FM show. For more information, visit bloody.fm.